Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the mini break. Your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, August 16th. It is the final edition of this show where I feel the need to play some catch-up. Now, the good news is we can also begin to look forward as well, as this podcast is going to focus on this week's action in Cincinnati. Now, if you are looking for some final thoughts on last week's action in Canada, of course, this is the time on the calendar when we as tennis fans are blessed with back-to-back North American 1000 level events. It's very difficult to follow all the action. We offered our final thoughts on this podcast on last week's action in Canada. Yannick Sinner, Jessica Pagula taking home the titles. You can find recap episodes focusing on both the men's and women's action here on this podcast feed. Of course, if you're looking for thoughts on the challenger level results, thoughts on players with college time, how are they doing in the pros? You can find all that covered here at Cracked Rackets between this podcast, the Great Shot podcast feed. Gil Gross and I, of course, recapped every episode of the Netflix docuseries Breakpoint. We also got to speak with the showrunner. So if you are looking for that sort of content, check out the Breakpoint show. All of that content housed on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You can find those podcasts, of course, wherever you listen to your podcasts as well. Like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. That's what's up here at Cracked Rackets. That's what's up here on this show. Of course, we are excited to get on the road today as well as we are headed back to Reading, Pennsylvania for the LS Pro Challenge. We'll have tons of content coming from there over the course of the next few days. You can tune into the action Friday, Saturday on our Cracked Rackets YouTube feed. It's a blast. We have a lot of fun. Be sure to tune in between Cincinnati matches. You won't want to miss out. Not only is it high-level tennis, but again, we relax. We have some fun. We bring some players in as well. It's an absolute delight to be a part of that exhibition event. We're excited to get back to Reading, Pennsylvania. Look for more content coming from there over the next few days. Of course, again, the focus here on today's podcast. We'll get back to it. Is the Western Southern Open in Cincinnati. A shout out as always to all of you for tuning in. A shout out to the support we get here on this show from our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's talk Cincinnati. Let's start on the women's side of things. Want to talk early result takeaways. And for the record, I'm recording this podcast 6 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. The reason I say that third set currently underway between Kvitova, Linda Naskova. Now, I was going to discuss Linda Naskova anyways as she knocked out Canada finalist Ludmilla Samsonova in one of her opening matches at this event, of course, for Linda Naskova, who reached the final in Prague, her second 250 level final of the season a couple of weeks ago, qualifies into this event as well. 
it was already a winning week for an 18-year-old who is continuing to consolidate her spot in the top 50 proof. She might already be a top 25 hardcourt player in the world with the weapons that she possesses. Third set with Kvitova speaks for itself. And again, for Linda Naskova, I guess we are getting into it now. First round again, three sets over Samsonova. This is her second round battle, but qualifying Naskova beats Diane Perry 3-1. She beats Magdalena Frich in three sets. Naskova's right where you want to be. You look right now. By the way, because there's not a next-gen finals on the women's side, something I've been doing in preparation for all of my mini-break podcasts is looking at the live rankings and specifying to players under the age of 22. What's so amazing when you look at the WTA Tour rankings right now is right now, age 21 or under, there are 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 top 100 women who are age 22 and under. You want to compare that to the men's side? We can. You look in the men's rankings right now, age 22 or under. Obviously, they're the big three, Alcaraz, Runa, Sinner just turned 22. But right now, there are seven top 100 players under the age of 22 in the men's rankings. 16 in the women's ranking. Headlined, of course, by Coco Goff, but Jung Chin Wen, Marta Kostyuk, Linda Naskova, Peyton Stearns, Linda Fruvertova, who's still 18, Mira Andreeva, of course, 16, Diana Schneider, still 19, for God's sakes, Clara Tossin, still 20. It's a really good young group, and I think we have some blue chippers in this group as well, and we'll get into that more as we get into the summer, but certainly Linda Naskova, backing up that Prague 250 result with a big run here. And if she can get through this third set against Petra Kvitova, I mean, that is a signature win to get into the round of 16. She was always already, excuse me, going to be in my dark horse conversation entering the U.S. Open. But certainly that was one of the most notable early result takeaways. I mean, in terms of upsets, Elisa Mertens, three sets over Madison Keys. Analytically, Madison Keys is ninth in tennis abstracts ELO ratings, which measure who you play, how you beat them, as opposed to the round, uh, like the WTA rankings does. Keys, one of three players, her, Iga, Coco, to rank top 15 in both hold and break percentage. That's the first puzzling loss. I mean, Mertens in three sets isn't that bad of a loss, but it's certainly the first puzzling one for her. Haddad Maya, three sets to Muhova. That was just really good tennis. That's not a bad loss at all. I mean, Muhova's best is top 20 good. So that's just tough scheduling for the number 12 seed, Haddad Maya, but technically an upset by seed. Bencic knocked out three sets by Buxa. You know, she got a little banged up last week against Kvitova. It's a concerning loss, but also, in my opinion, a little bit of a schedule loss. Not that I'm always making Bencic excuses. I mean, that's a bad loss. I'm not hitting the panic meter. Uh, it's a Belinda Bencic loss, dare I say. The other seed, and this is most notable, I mean, how about Venus Williams from a breakdown early in set one, four and five over Veronica Kudermatova. I mean, Kudermatova played so tight, so tentatively, hit way too many balls in the center third, and God, was Venus aggressive, particularly with her backhand in that match. I mean, she was striking the ball so beautifully. She beats a player who spent much of the past 18 months, I mean, all of it in the top 20, but a lot of it in the top 10 or top 12, beat her in straights, four and five. I mean, what a scene it was. Again, the best part was, yes, Kudermatova was shaky, but it's because Venus was applying so much pressure. And, you know, anytime Kudermatova was able to step into a shot, get Venus really stretched in the outer thirds, it was easy for her. 
but she wasn't able to do it frequently enough. And so that's a testament to Venus. Obviously, it was remarkable to see her earn a first-round victory. You know, other notable matches, Ostapenko three sets over Pliskova. Paulini straights over Kostyuk. That's a tough loss for Kostyuk. Again, I don't care about the Samsonova loss. Navarro, three sets to Martich. That's just a good match. Vekic, six and five over Jennifer Brady. Brady's back. Azarenka, three and five over Krachikova. Both players, two of the 11 to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. Vika just hasn't been healthy. But again, we've seen her play good tennis when she's been healthy throughout parts of this season. She's been very hot and cold. It's a good win over Krachikova. I forgot that upset. That would be the last one to sneak in. Brady's a fun one to watch as well. Um, but again, those are the big first-round upsets. We have had a run of second-round results. I mean, Iga crushed Collins. I talked a lot about Iga in the last podcast, uh, but Iga looks great. Jungjin Wen's another one to mention. I, I said coming into this final third, she's one of my players I'm watching most closely because she just made a coaching change, bringing in Wim Fassett. Uh, and she has the weapons. She has the serve to dominate on this surface, the physicality as well. Straight set wins over Sasnovich. Uh, straight sets over Sasnovich. Three sets over Venus. Sets up a very fun match between her and Iga. Um, good win for Vondrusova. Straight sets over Potapova. Sloan last night was wonderful. Three sets over Caroline Garcia. I mean, when Sloan is locked in, she's a delight. Like, just... She's she, When she has a crowd behind her, too, it brings out her best athletic enough to put anyone under stress. Now, you look for Garcia, who is obviously def- the defending champ. She's fallen to number six in the live rankings. That's actually not as bad as I thought it would be. Obviously, the gap between her now and even ninth place Vondrosova is 509 points. So that gap can quickly dissipate. She's got a ton of points to defend, what, quarterfinals at the U.S. Open? Tough draw on Sloan Stevens, slower conditions at night, which is where Sloan's going to thrive. Uh, it, I mean, I learned more about Sloan, honestly, than I did Garcia. It's going to be tough for Garcia to sustain her top 10 position, barring some sort of significant run at the U.S. Open. Obviously, she wins the tour finals last year as well. But yeah, uh, it's definitely a storyline to monitor over the final third. Sakari had to win in three. She did. Pagula played a Bad first set against Trevisan. She escapes in three. Last one I would talk about is Anjibur, uh, for who needed just, I, I said, on whom I'm watching most closely into Cincy in our earlier Wednesday pod. It was Anjibur, and, you know, everything was working. I thought she was moving extraordinarily well in her 6-3 first set against Kalnina. Got a little loose. She let Kalnina be the aggressor. She let Kalnina swing freely with her forehand. Kalnina is also very aggressive. And, you know, then the third set just got fun. It got physical. Jabur was the one with more legs at the end of the battle. At the end, you know, again, and she survives the test. She's through in three sets. Needed to get that sort of win. Tricky match next against either Vekic or Azarenka. I mean, again... That's a significant test now. She's going to face some serious power regardless of who she faces. This is exactly what you'd hope for if you're on Shabur to have these sorts of opportunities before the U.S. Open to work your way into form because, again, she's defending finals points. So uh, good to see Ons get through. And then, you know, things to watch moving forward on the women's side. There's a lot of good stuff. I mean, you look at the round two, Ostapenko versus Rabakina, Serena Williams, Power Tennis Country Club battle. 
I think Coco Goff should work her way through Meyer Sharif, but after that, she'd face the winner of Kvitova and Naskova, both who present power. That could be, you know, Kvitova's power a little bit more obviously tricky for Goff, although lefty power into that Goff backhand. Coco's well-equipped to handle that. I do think, you know, Coco did not play poorly. She played, you know, wins the title in D.C., loses three sets quarterfinals to the eventual champion in Canada. She has had a good summer to date. You look for her right now in the points race. Coco Goff is seventh. You look at her in the live ranking, she's seventh. But, you know, again, she is less than – she's 75 po- – excuse me, 65 points behind Garcia. One win away from jumping her. She'll beat Meyer Sharif. She will jump her. And I, I just – Again, Coco Goff beats players she's supposed to beat now. And, you know, for Sharif, that battle is going to be physical, but that's where, as physical as Sharif is, Goff is that much more exceptional. And so, you know, again, how she handles that Kvitova or Noskova test, I think she will get through Sharif after that. She could potentially face a Rabakina. Those are the sort of tests I still need to see Coco Goff face because unless you have a weapon to overwhelm her forehand with, you're just not beating Coco Goff right now. I want to see her prove that, and honestly, I want to see her beat one of those power players this week as well. She's one to watch because obviously, I mean, Coco Goff in New York has the opportunity to just be majestic someday when it all falls into place perfectly, as it almost has already uh, in her career. Outside of that, I mean, Iga Chinwen. I know Iga's 3-0, but I just love the power Chinwen presents uh, against Iga and I think that is a matchup we'll see later in slams throughout the course of this next decade. Vondrosova beating Potapova, you know, now she's going to face Sloane Stevens. She wins that. She'll get a shot at Aniga on a hard court, which is a matchup you want to see because Vondrosova, I've been on that bandwagon all year long, furthering consolidating her spot towards the top 15, top 10, top 8. Um, you know, again, how healthy is Rabakina? You want to hopefully see her healthy after things getting a little shaky against Samsonova. I mean, the draw is very open for Sabalenka to get to the semifinals. Her section, Jabur, Kasatkina. She's got to face Ann Lee round one. I, I said it on the, last, on the last pod, so I'm not going to repeat myself. I wanted to see her make a semifinal. The draw gives her the opportunity to do exactly that. I, I would be shocked. I, I think this is where we get our Iga Sabalenka final. This is where we get our U.S. Open preview. I know that's a boring pick, one versus the two seed, but that's what I'm going with. Although it is a tricky draw for Iga. Chin Wen, then maybe the Vondrosova, then maybe a Rabakina or a Ga. Honestly, no, it's Iga. She'll be fine. I want to see Iga Sabalenka on hard courts again. I think we're going to get it this week in Cincinnati. So that's what I'm watching for on the women's side. Again, it'll be a really fun week. Uh, I am hoping to have updates for I'm not hoping. I will have updates for you all every day, though the mini break time of release may vary from day to day, just depending on our daily schedule. That's the women's side of things. Let's hop over to the men's side now. And again, early takeaways. I watched so much film. I've been I've watched a lot of tennis over the last 70 or what, 50, 60 hours. I've been in Indianapolis. In terms of the most notable early round results we've seen in Cincinnati, there weren't a ton of upsets. I believe only one seed was knocked out in the opening round. That seed, of course, 13th seeded Cam Norrie, who I talked about with Gil Gross earlier this week. He's just struggled of late. You look for Norrie's now lost four in a row, five of his last six. You know, the loss is who they're to in particular. Eubanks, Kovacevic, 
Alex Diemenauer, now Gael Monfi in three set. Like, with all due respect, those are not four consecutive losses of a guy who's been flirting with year-end finals and top 12 in the rankings over the last 18 months. He just provided Monfi too much time. And, you know, that lack of a definitive, decisive, shot-ending weapon you have to have that, and you have to be confident in hitting it against Monfi because to his credit, despite being out with injuries, he is still just such a challenge to face physically. He's everywhere. He can play two, two and a half hours if that's what it takes, and today Monfi threw in two hours, 10 minutes. You know, Nori broken five times in the match. I mean, lefty into the Monfi backhand is a problem because he's just so rock solid off of that wing. It's a tough loss for Cam. I mean, again, only seed knocked out in the opening round. Now, there were others who were pushed to three sets. or other, You know, Tom uh, Francis Tiafo, excuse me, threw in three sets, 6-4 in the third. That was a fantastic match between he and Talon Griegsport, both guys who you should not be surprised to see make the second week uh, of the U.S. Open. Other seeds who played opening round matches. Was that the – oh, Felix – Tough matchup against Berrettini. Gets a much-needed 4-6-6-2-6-3 win, although he was knocked out in straights by Manorino in round two. So, again, I, I think Greek Spore is more likely to make the second week of the U.S. Open right now than Felix, uh, just given their levels this season. Quarter got uh, Chorch got pushed. Quarter was up an early break. Ultimately, 6-4, and four, the defending champ, Borna Chorch, is through. And you look for Chorch, I mean, it's a massive week for him. He has fallen uh, with those 1,000 points off his ranking to 12 spots from 16 to 28 in the live rankings. Now, again, he'll still be seated at the U.S. Open. He still should get into things moving forward, but that's a, that's a significant fall. The draws get a little bit harder at events like this moving forward. It's a good win for him over Cordo, though. He was knocked down three sets today by Hubi Hercots, and that's a very good win for Hubi. Three sets over Kokonakis, three sets over George to kick off his tournaments. It's always three sets for Hubi Hercots, isn't it? Uh, his serve, his forehand, this surface. I believe Hubi Hercots right now is number two in hold percentage. No, Hercots currently fourth. Uh, Berrettini's first, Tsitsipas second. Djokovic third, Hercats fourth. Speaking of Tsitsipas, that's how we can get into some of our second round matchups. He survives, no break point chances, no breaks. Six and six, he knocks off Ben Shelton. Shelton, a good win in three over Eubanks in round one. I know he still hasn't gotten consecutive wins since the Australian Open, but he's now won matches in consecutive events. Wouldn't shock me to see him pop into the Winston-Salem draw as well, just to get a few more matches under his belt heading into the Open where... By the way, he was knocked out first round last year by Nuno Borges, if my memory serves me correct. So, you know, again, it's a good win for Ben to kick off his tournament. His service firing once again. He's gaining confidence. Him and Chris got a really fun win first round in doubles as well. Uh, but that's a good win for Tsitsipas to just right the ship after the early exit in Toronto. Though, again, that was a schedule loss given he played Los Cabos the week before. Very difficult to transition from the conditions in Los Cabos to conditions anywhere in under two days. Good win for Tsitsipas to advance. Alcaraz pushed to three sets again. That's been the script for him on the hard court so far, but gets through 6-3 in the third against Jordan Thompson. You know, Tommy threw in straights. Zverev dominating Dimitrov, Nishioka in respective days now sets up a really fun matchup with Medvedev. You know, six that's the sixteenth time they've played. Medvedev nine six in the career head to head. Fritz a straight set winner. To see him play Atlanta, Canada, 
now Cincinnati back to back to back with DC as well, getting wins at all of them. I mean, he's one of the 15, if not 10 best hardcore players in the world. That's a good four and six win over Sinego. And again, he had to play his opening round match against Yuri Lachetchko, which he wins in straights as well. Sets up a very winnable match with Dushan Lajevic, who provided our biggest upset. Lajevic straight sets over Yannick Sinner. Sinner won last week. It's a schedule loss. I have no concerns about Yannick Sinner after his four and six loss. Lajevic can get hot. Fourth top 10 win on the year. I mean, again, concerns for Felix after the straight set wins to Manorino. No different than they were earlier. Casper knocked out in three sets last week. It was by Davidovich Fokina. This week it's by the qualifier Max Purcell. Three out of five, Casper is just such a different monster physically. So, yes, I'm a little concerned, but what's the what's the we'll get to that in a little bit. What's the expectations for him at the U.S. Open? If it's a round of 16 and he loses before, that's a disappointment. If he gets knocked out by a Runa, by a Rublev, who have had their own problems, by a Fritz, obviously by an Alcaraz, or Medvedev, Djokovic, that that's not going to shock me. And so, you know, again, he's tier two at best heading into the U.S. Open but I don't think he was ever going to be a tier one guy short of winning one of Toronto or Cincinnati. And obviously to lose early in both events, that is not what happened. Uh, Rusevori over Rublev is interesting. I mean, Emil Rusevori is on my dark horse list always. You guys know my thoughts on his ability to snap into balls from the baseline. He was driving his backhand so freely against Rublev in a 7-6-5, 7-7-6 victory. Now, Rublev served for the first set and was broken, served for the second set twice and was broken before ultimately closing things out, 7-5. I mean, it just wasn't Andre Rublev's day, and part of that was because of the pressure. Emil Rusevori put him under. You know, Rusevori was able to play first strike. I've said it before. When Rusevori's clicking on all cylinders, it looks a lot like Yannick Sinner. Now, he's a little less fluid. His ball has a little less action on it. It's a little flatter, but boy, is it effective. That's a really good win for Rusevori. He now has a massive opportunity after Alexi Popperin gets a withdraw from Nicolas Iari. I mean, Rusevori into a quarterfinal at a Masters 1000 event. You look for Rusevori right now. Had a tough run on the natural surfaces. Has been really solid on the hard courts, though. Back up to number 55 in the live rankings. He makes the quarterfinals. He's up to number 47. Back inside the top 50 with only hard court tennis to go which is the surface I just think his movement allows him to get into his weapons most comfortably. It's the surface where he's had the most success on his career uh, at the tour level. It's a big win for him over Andre Rublev and sets up a big opportunity for him in this draw. And, you know, again, I'm recording this right now. There are live matches going on. I believe uh, Runa and Mackie are still to play. There's a lot of stuff still to come. So what are the things I will be watching for for the rest of the week uh, in this Cincinnati event? Well, certainly... I th- you know, now that Casper's been knocked out, he was a guy I was watching coming into the week. Give me the Americans, uh, any of them. Tommy obviously makes the semis last week. For him to get a straight set win, uh, he's now going to get another shot at Carl. Or I should say Carlos Alcaraz is going to get another shot at him. That's just fantastic theater for all of us to enjoy. Tommy 2-1 in the career head-to-head. 
but we know he's playing well. For Francis to get through in three sets over a very much informed Greek sport, he now uh, is going to have a look at Stan the Man. You know, that's a showtime match, but he wins that very winnable round of 16 against Max Purcell, and then he'd get a shot at Alcaraz. You look for Taylor Fritz. Again, he plays Dusan Lajevic. If he wins that match, he'd get a shot at Djokovic in the quarters. The Americans are going to get to probably play primetime matches, all of them, here in Cincy. And if just one of them wins, now we've got some serious, serious chutzpah heading into this U.S. Open. Because, again, Tommy's going to get a shot at Carlos. If Francis takes care of business, he should get a shot at Carlos. And if Fritz takes care of business, he's going to get a shot at Djokovic. Those are matches everyone's going to watch. One of them wins. It makes it onto SportsCenter. Now we have ourselves a story. So I do think the Americans, the the three headliners, all of them inside the top 15 of the rankings right now, I think that's one storyline I will certainly be watching most closely. I am intrigued with Medvedev Zverev because right now, and this leads me into my final segment, I suppose, who's missing from the club? Heading into Cincinnati. Your top 25 clubs. Let me start on the men's side because that's the thought exercise we were getting to. Here are the guys who rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. Top 10, you have Djokovic and Alcaraz. Makes sense. They're the two best players in the world. Top 15, Sinner and Karen Hatchinov. Now, Hatchinov's been injured. Obviously, his early season results were exceptional, but he's disqualified from the list. So we're just going to say Yannick Sinner, top 15. He just won a Masters 1000. Sinner, fourth in win percentage this season. His 41-11 and 11 record trailing just Alcaraz, Djokovic, and Medvedev. Uh, 78.8%, by the way. Not too shabby for a guy who just turned 22. You know, again, if you don't want him a spot ahead of Medvedev, rest assured, top 20 club. Rublev, Medvedev. And then the intriguing Grigor Dimitrov, who is having his best season since 2017, but... You know, again, it's probably on the sur- uh, a surface-level guy in this conversation still. Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sinner, Medvedev, and an Andre Rublev who's won a 1,000-level event, who's 40-16 and 16 this year, who's made slam quarterfinals in second weeks. Had a really good year. Makes sense for me as a top five. You want to go to the 25 category. Struff, who was exceptional but now injured. Runa, Rude, Zverev. So let's take out Hatchinov, Dimitrov, and Struff. Hatchinov and Struff for injuries, Dimitrov, because he's been great but doesn't belong in this conversation. The guys you have left in this club are Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sinner, Runa, Rude, Zverev, Rublev. Aren't those the—and Medvedev. Aren't those the eight best players in the world? Who's missing? From that club right now, again, Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sinner, Rublev, Medvedev, Runa, Rude, Zverev. You look at the rankings, Stefano Tsitsipas is missing. And Tsitsipas right now is number two in hold percentage. He's the Elena Rybakina of this conversation, where, again, they're so dominant on serve, the break percentage can be a little worse. Tsitsipas is still having a very good season on the return of serve. You look for him this season. He has been a top 25 club. He's guy. He's breaking serve 21% of the time, which is just above his career average, just again below the average of a top 50 tour level player right now. He's the guy missing, and the reason, again, is his backhand return, but his first serve, his first forehand, I would say he belongs in this conversation. That's nine. 
you want to say one of the Americans belong, Fritz, Tiafa, or Tommy Paul, and that's the 10th guy who's going to be in the mix right now, by, by, you know, again, virtue of their numbers, that they have three shots at and all three guys, usually one of them has made some sort of run, I'll accept one American, and that's your top 10 right now. Because you look at the other guys. Again, Hatchnov's injured. And by the way, we're not that far off from the rankings. But Hatchnov's injured. Demon Hours, yes, he made a final in Toronto, but I, I wouldn't put him on that list. Can't put Felix there right now. Nori, Musetti, Hercots, no, no, no. Like, those are the guys. I, I think we know our list of guys heading into the event. And you'll order them, your top fives, by opinion. But Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sinner, Medvedev. Is probably, a, you know, Djokovic, Alcaraz, probably a tier of their own. Then Sinner, Medvedev, tier of their own. Then Rublev, Runa, Rude, Zverev, and an American. You know, that that's your top 10 going into any event. And, you know, plus or minus a guy here who's who's hot going in. Right now, you might say it's Demon Hour. I mean, first of all, the rankings reflect the advanced analytics pretty clearly right now on the men's side. But I do think after eight months of uncertainty, the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, I feel pretty confident of who the top guys are right now in the men's game. Women's side, there are 11 names right now. Now I'm going to disqualify Bedosa because she's injured. No other name needs to be disqualified. Top 10, only one player, Iga in hold and break percentage. She's the best player in the world in my mind. That makes sense. Top 15, Goff, who's been extraordinarily consistent. You look for Coco Goff uh, so far this season. Again, I, I think I said it earlier, she's made like the second, mo- her third most quarterfinals. It goes Sviantec most, Pagula second most, Coco Goff third most quarterfinals since the start of 2022, tied with Anjabur. You look for her this season, 33 and 13 uh, overall on the year. Like you look for, you know, again, wins Washington, quarterfinals Montreal, quarterfinals Roland Garros, semifinals Eastbourne. She's had a lot of success of late despite the first round loss to Kennan at Wimbledon. Makes sense that she's on that list. And again, Madison Keys has the highest win percentage of her career this season. So it makes sense she's there as well. Top 20 club, Sabalenka, Krejcikova, Vondrosova. Sabalenka, I think, is the second best player in the world. Krejcikova was that good in the first third of the year. Now she has dropped off since. Vondrosova just won Wimbledon. Speaks for itself. Top 25, Bedosa disqualified. Mukhova, Pagula. Ostapenko, who's been hot at times this season, her best has put her up there with the best in the world. And then the odd inclusion is Victoria Azarenka, who I suppose I'll disqualify as well. So those nine, Iga, Goff, Keys, Sabalenka, Krejcikova, Vondrusova, Mukhova, Pagula, Ostapenko. Again, not necessarily in that order. But who's missing from that list? Elena Rabakina, obviously, she's top three in hold percentage. So, you know, she be- I think she's second, actually. Uh, or no, I think she's third behind Garcia or fourth behind Iga. She belongs on that list. Jabur just hasn't been quite healthy enough to be on that list, but she's like 26th in hold percentage. Garcia, who's six in the world, no. Sakari, who's eight in the world, no. Kvitova, who's 10 in the world, again, she's the lesser version of Rabakana. 
maybe you throw her on that list of contenders as well. I wouldn't put Kasakina, wouldn't put Samsonova quite yet. Although maybe on hard courts, Benchich can't do it even if I'd want to. That feels like a pretty good list of contenders, right? In a year of uncertainty, if I tell you, and again, it's nine names and a lot of them are top 20 players in the world, maybe all of them. Iga, Sabalenka, we're missing Rabakina, so you throw her on there. Pagula, Goff, and then one of Keys, Krechikova, Von Drusova, Ostapenko to have a good tournament. That feels like a pretty good top five, six, seven to work with moving forward. I think we do have some clarity now as we head into this final Grand Slam of the year. So that's the update again, just to run through them, because I know I threw a lot of names at you. On the men's side, top 10 in hold and break percentage, Djokovic Alcarez. Top 15, Sinner Hatchinov. Top 20, Rublev, Medvedev, Dimitrov. Top 25, Struff, Runa, Rude, Zverev. On the women's side, top 10, Iga, Top 15, Coco, Keys. Top 20, Sabalenka, Krechikova, Vondrusova. Top 25, Bedosa, Muhova, Pagula, Ostapenko, Azarenka. That's where things stand as we head into, again, the second half of these back-to-back 1,000-level North American events. Of course, we will have updates as all the action continues to unfold each and every day here on the Mini Break Podcast feed. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout-out as well to the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.